0: Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. What on earth am I here for? Let me say again, what on earth am I here for? We're going to start a series from the book Purpose Driven Life by, I just went blank, Rick Warren, thank you, Rick Warren, who is awesome, I, I read Rick Warren's uh, devotional every day, he's so practical, it's so simple, he wrote it about 20 years ago, 20 years ago, or 21 years ago, remember where we were, 9-11, remember, the devastation, I can remember where I was and what I did that day, can you? And we've got to remember also that there's a generation that doesn't remember 9-11. And a lot of our lives and the trajectory of our lives and those around us were affected by 9-11. And for some, like uh, the Marines I was with this week, it was fascinating to see the dedication and the respect and the honor paid to our nation and to the flag at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina this last week as our son was promoted to major. It was fascinating to watch and talk to men and women who dedicated their lives to military service and desired above all else to serve in this way. In fact, after Josh was promoted, it takes about ten minutes, and it, it got to talk to his lieutenant colonel, and it was just kind of fascinating. We were riding back in the in the in the van, and I was in the very back next to his wife and oldest granddaughter, and uh, he looked back at, at me and said, "You know, I would have never believed I would be a major in the Marine Corps," and I said, "Neither would I." <laughs> so we laugh about it. We laugh about it. Let me tell you another story, and this is not related, but it, but it does have to do with purpose and design. So it's a little off track, but I got to tell you this. So you know the way he presented this whole Marine Corps idea to become an officer was he was sitting in the Commons over at Indiana State University, and it, it was amongst the whole menagerie of college students, and here were these three white young young farm boys sitting in this room. I mean, they're they just, I mean, good Christian young men. And he said, you know, Dad, it was really strange. The Marine Corps recruiter came right to our table. And he said, I just think it was God. And I said, son, if I were a Marine Corps c- recruiter in the commons, where would I go? To the three white farm boys sitting there and doing their homework. That's where you'd go, wouldn't it be? And so, I know that's stereotyping and all of that, but 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 that was designed for his life. And isn't our lives kind of interesting on where what we do and where we end up and God's purpose in all of this? So, Today was 9-11, and also it's football kickoff Sunday, National Football League. Okay, Guys, I have won the last two fantasy football leagues in our church, and so just bring it today, okay? <laughs> I say that because I, I just really don't know a lot about football, and so it's just dumb luck, and so my team's name is No Luck, so I just want to share that with you as well as we get warmed up today. But there are three approaches to life that are kind of common in our culture today. And the first approach to life is the mystical approach to life. And I don't know if we're going to get it on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along. Mystical approach. And this is kind of like you're kind of spiritual and you kind of dabble in the spirituality and you kind of think that there's something out there, but you can't, you can't quite know what it is. It's kind of magical and you kind of depend on good luck and, and good will from the divine presence in the universe that's neither bad nor good, kind of yin, yin and the yang of things. That's one approach. Another pro- and we know that that doesn't work as Christians. The other approach is the self-help idea that I, I constantly have to be better. i got to read the next book. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I'm, gonna, I'm going to become better. I'm going to learn this. And I think I, I, I kind of like that idea. But in and of itself, this self-help idea isn't going to work in the end. And then there's the philosophical approach, which is kind of like Yoda. You know, we are all part of the existence and we connect with everything and everything's going to work out and everybody's sort of good and and sort of bad. And there's very little hope involved in all three of these. And in In fact, I forgot to tell you that yesterday was World Suicide Day. Now, that does not mean, and I'm not trying to be funny, that everybody in the world should commit suicide. In fact, it was National Suicide Day. It was r- r- really, it's the idea that we need to recognize how prominent suicide and taking one one's own life is in our culture and how devastating the last few years ha- have been for people with depression, with anxiety, and, and taking of their own life. But But we've got to realize that Most of the ideas, most of the philosophies around us don't lead anywhere that is good. In fact, it's pretty hopeless out there. Carl Jung, psychiatrist, actually created analytical psychology, a branch of psychology. He says this, I don't know the meaning and the purpose of life, but it looks as if something were meant by it. This is, this is a leader of a school of psychology saying this. Isaac Asimov, I don't know if you remember Isaac Asimov, famous science fiction writer, also a scientist and does not re- represent all science or a scientist. But he says this, he says, As far as I can see, there is no purpose to life. Now that's pretty depressing, isn't it? Then Joseph Heller The author, and these are cultural leaders, says this I have no answers to the meaning of life and I no longer want to search for any. Now, that is radically different than what we see from a biblical perspective, from a Christian faith. What God says to every one of you is this You were made for a purpose. You were made for a purpose. Proverbs 18:16 or Proverbs 16:4 says this the Lord has made everything for its purpose and you are made for a purpose. Now today I'm going to look at three questions, three questions, and the first question is the question of existence. Why did God create me for his purpose? Or, in other words, what purpose did God create me for? And if you'll turn in your Bibles, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, or Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. He says this, as he writes to the church at Ephesus He says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, he chose you. Let me say this chose you before the foundation of the world, before he created anything you were chosen, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That was his purpose for us. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is God who is saying to you that you were created for a purpose. And you might say, well, what is that, Chris? Well, we're going to discover that over the next five weeks. What purpose God has created you for. And then that brings us to the question of significance. Do I matter? I was talking to someone this last week who doesn't think that they matter, that they're only good for one thing and one thing only. And that is not true of anyone. Everyone matters to God. Rich or poor, whatever gender, whatever race, whatever demographic, everyone matters to God and you matter to God. Now, there are three levels to life. First level is the survival level. And believe it or not, in Brazil, Indiana, in the Wabash Valley, there are people that are living at a survival level. They are just living hand to mouth. They are just existing. That's hard for us to believe, even around us, and particularly around the world. Most of the world is impoverished. So they live at a survival level. There's another level. The success level. I was talking to a guy last night who was very successful. I believe he was far from God. And we were having this conversation. He didn't know I was a preacher. And it was fascinating because most of the time, if I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm outside of my, outside of the, the church or Christian realm and people don't know who I am, I play a game and it's, I, I don't tell them I don't reveal who I am because they don't start talking with these and thou's and brother or sir or Pastor that's kind of how they go and and they get super religious in those moments And so I was just having this conversation With this person who was very very successful And he was telling me about the things that he owned and what he did and and all kinds of stuff but but I was hearing a shallowness to this pursuit of success, and it was there, there was a spiritual void inside of him. And so as we wrapped up our conversation, I told him who and what I did, and kind of shared with him a little bit about the Lord in that moment. And so this success level, I mean, it will only take you so far, but but it will leave you high and dry. I and you might be saying, Well, I'd like to try that. Give it a try and be very wealthy, and I think you would see the emptiness in that, as Solomon did, as he wrote Ecclesiastes. The third level is the significance level, and this is the level I believe we as Christians need to strive for and realize that that is where we live. And and I hope you're asking, well, how do I find, how do you find significance in your life? I'm glad you asked that question because there are three ways first know the meaning of life what it is all about and for us it's very simple if you are a Christian you are a Bible believing Christian who believes in the authority of the word of God and its inerrancy God already tells us what is significant and what we need to be about number two you know how much you matter to God. And that's something that I, CJ drove in last week, that you were loved by God. But, but until we really, really get that God is for us, that he loves us, that he desires a best life that we can possibly live on this earth, then, then we really don't understand who God is. If we think God is the ogre that's trying to make our lives miserable and make us suffer and all suffering comes from him, that is not true. But we've got to recognize how much we matter, how much you matter to God. And third, you live out God's five purposes of your life. You live out the five purposes. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the five purposes are because you'll have to come back the next five weeks to find out what the five purposes are or to read The Purpose Driven Life or by Rick Warren. So let me explain this. How much do you matter to God? How much do you matter to God? 3.16, absolutely. Isaiah 44.2 says it this way, Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb, will help you. Now, today, again, there's a lot of identity talk, and, and we get stuck on some things that I'm, I really am concerned about. As Bible-believing Christians, we have to understand that we're not an accident. This is not random, that if whatever you were born, your sexual identity, that's who you are. If you were born a male, guess what? That was predetermined by God. If you were born a female, that was predetermined by God. It's not random. It wasn't a surprise to God. That's who you are. And that identity of who you are, male or female, whatever... (sighs) What I want to say, whatever lineage you are from, that is an act of God. You weren't born at the wrong time, in the wrong century. Maybe some of you think that. But God has a purpose and a plan for right here and right now for you. But there's so much confusion because we don't take God at his word. It's just so simple. Psalm 139.16 says this, In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God knows the number of your days. Our purpose is to serve him in this life. Psalm 33.11 says this, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations, from the very beginning of time to the end of time for all eternity. He knows, and He knows what He has in store for you. You were created for a purpose. 2 Corinthians 5. one is my favorite funeral passage, and, and I, I like it because it gives us hope, and, and, and it helps us to realize that we were created for eternity, that this life is just a, a vapor. It is just a moment in time. It says, Paul writes, he says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, tents are temporary, tents are easily destroyed. We have a building from God, a structure, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You were created for all eternity. Now, we've answered the question of existence, we've answered the question of significance, but what is the question of intention? And the question comes down simply to this, to you, what is my purpose? What's my purpose in life? Now, the only way to to know the answer to this is to recognize that that either you have to talk to the inventor or the creator of your life, or you need to read the owner's manual, which would be the Word of God. Two ways. You talk to the creator, which we as Christians, we have a main line to the creator through his spirit, but we also have the owner's manual, the Word of God to give us direction. Now, in our culture, in this world, a lot of people are all about the whole survival thing, being a survivor, and the, the mindset that goes along with surviving, maybe the doomsday prepper, maybe you have a backup generator, maybe you have all kinds of seeds and berries and and a storm shelter and a bomb shelter and all of those things, and that would, you were a survivor, and that, that would be the point of surviving whatever doomsday we experience. And then we have the naturalist, and the naturalist is that person who, I mean, eats healthy, eats right, eats organically. I don't know, no, none of that GMO kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not very good at this because I, I, I mean, I, I have, we have friends and family that are, that are really healthy and nutritional. And back to nature and totally ecology. And I I appreciate that. And we are stewards of all creation. That's what God said to us in Genesis to uh, subdue and have dominion over all creation. But again, we don't worship nature. Then there's the hedonists. Do you have any hedonists, friends? I hope you do. They're a lot of fun. They're kind of out there. They're kind of wild and crazy. They live for the moment. They, they do whatever. They, they are a party in the moment. They buy whatever. They, the next experience and the next experience and the next experience. And if you read Ecclesiastes, and we read what Solomon says, because he tried this lifestyle. We see it, see it in, in Ecclesiastes. And he said, at the end of all this, He found it all empty and vain. And then most of us, we're kind of borderline Christian materialists, if we're really, really honest. We, We buy more, we get more, we like our stuff, we hold on to our stuff, we try to protect our stuff from inflation and from the economy, and we try to build this little empire. And yet, we are told in Scripture, that is not all there is. To life. The proverb writer writes in Proverbs nine ten. He says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight." He's talking about reverencing God first. Genesis one one. We all know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're mindful of who the Creator is. Colossians 1.16 says it this way. He says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Everything we have, everything we are, is from Him and for Him because it's all about God. It's all about God as Christians. Now, as I address you this morning, some of you are seekers. Maybe this is the first time in a long time either you're joining us online and you're checking this whole Christian thing out. What is it really about? I'm glad you're here. And some of you are new believers. In fact, we had the opportunity to baptize. They're not new believers, but baptize Brady and Danielle Moss into Christ here about a Uh, probably over a week ago on a a Thursday afternoon. Super excited. But for new believers, I'm glad you're here and you're learning about purpose and getting connected. If I had one goal for you this year, it would be this, to get connected in growth and serving. That's why we have the uh, Grow and Serve board out there so that you can easily get involved because you were Created not to be alone, but do life together, supporting one another. Now, some of you are stumblers. That's okay. You haven't been a Christian if you haven't stumbled yet. And that's the hardest part of Christianity for someone who's looking from the outside. Because every Sunday we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and it's open to all believers. We practice an open table. And it calls us to that moment in our lives where we need to confess our sin. And if we're really honest, we feel a lot. I feel a lot. But we're reminded of the blood of Jesus now, and it cleanses us and, and it removes that. And we may go and do the same thing again. And we may come and repent and confess. And 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 God removes that again as we are growing in Christ. And some of you are spiritually mature. You've been around for a while. You've incorporated the Word of God. The Spirit of God reigns in your life. You bear the fruit of the Spirit. You work in the gifts of the Spirit. And you're into ministry. And you're bringing other people along with you. That's our goal, is that we bring every person spiritually mature before God. And this 40 days of purpose that we're going to experience together is a call back to grow in Christ to encourage those around us to grow in Christ and to be transformed by him by the renewing of our mind so i hope you'll join us the next five weeks to find out what your purpose is and how you were created to love and serve god this morning if you don't know jesus christ as lord and savior of your life this is the moment this is the opportunity we call this an invitation if it's time to recommit, if you're saying, hey, boy, I, I've, I've struggled in my life. I've stumbled. This is the time to repent. If you need prayer, if there's a, a need in your life or in your family or someone that you care about, it's an opportunity for us to pray with you. And, and the prayers from this congregation have power. It's unbelievable because God hears our prayers and He answers them in unbelievable ways. He's incredible because he's a great, great God. So this morning, whatever decision you need to make, whether it's in in your chair or it's up in front of us, I would ask you to come and join us. Would you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we're grateful that you're a God of design and purpose, that you created us to have meaning and significance in our lives. And Father, we can't do that without you. And we can't do it without one another because we weren't created to be alone. We were created to connect and to belong. And, Father, for those that just are really struggling with the whole concept of believing that there's a God who loves them, that there was a Savior sent to make things right, to forgive sin because He shed His blood, I pray, Father, that Your Spirit would convict and convince and move in such a way that they would know that they would know that you love them and that Jesus died for them. Father, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?